Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. How are you guys doing? We um, had a great time at the mission yesterday with the kids and um, been talking with a lot of people about just how many people are getting excited, getting hooked into the Word, uh, growing in Christ. There's a lot of great things happening. A lot of you guys are joining, reading through the Word together every single day. Uh, there's, there's interesting things going on. Uh, the revival going on up in the United States. Don't know what to think about that right now. I mean, I'm always excited when people are exci- getting excited about the Lord, but you want to test all things and um, watch it to see what it bears fruit. We, we're into spiritual growth and um, finishing well, I should say. There have been a lot of emotional roller coaster rides within the church where the church really gets excited about things and people get excited all over the place. But that is also dangerous because when you base things on emotionalism, then uh, what happens when you leave a revival and just go to your church and listen to the Word of God being rightly divided and people worshiping there? Is it substandard? Does it become you know something that's lacking? Hopefully not, because I think the greatest revival started 2,000 years ago. When Peter stood up at Pentecost and and started preaching then, and ever since then, people have been coming to get saved. The Holy Spirit's been moving, and um, church has been growing. So I'm very, very excited about that, and I think the the move within the church is, is what's exciting to me. And if that includes this recent revival, praise God, I'm all for it. Well, let's look at this day in history. Winston Churchill said on this day, you will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. Wise man. Dark Side of the Moon came out on this day, 1973. One of my Mexican friends had his this T-shirt on, of course, with the, with the pyramid triangle with the you know the light going in, the colors coming out the other side. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he has any idea if he's ever heard that album. I would venture to say he's probably never heard the album. Of course, I had it, but we all remember 1973. It topped the billboards uh, for 957 weeks. I mean, this thing took over. Let's see. Hoover Dam completed on this day, March 1st. Oh, by the way, welcome to March. We are here March 1st, and our temperature has been consistent. We're we're still cool here, probably. I'm guessing about um, 72 right now outside. Just be a guess, I and I'm sure it was down around, we've been hovering down around 64 to 68 during the nighttime. Hoover Dam was completed on this day, 1939. It was completed two years ahead of schedule. 112 people reported killed as part of the construction of the dam. Wow. And I heard that, you know, they would fall into the concrete and they couldn't stop. You couldn't. You can't stop a concrete pour that big. Uh, they, they just, they're there entombed in the concrete. Lindenberg kidnapped. Charles Lindbergh's 20-month-old son is kidnapped uh, on this day in 1932. A ransom of $50,000 was paid, but the uh, son was never recovered. He was found later found dead, I believe. They finally arrested the man 
who says he didn't do it, that his friend gave him the money, et cetera, et cetera. And he was, but they found other evidence and he was later executed. Yellowstone, first national park on this day in 1872. Established by the U.S. Congress, first national park in the U.S. and also considered to be the first national park in the world. Home of Old Faithful Geyser erupts every 44 to 125 minutes. I've been to um, Yellowstone at least three times. I love Yellowstone. It's a really wonderful park if you guys ever get a chance to go up there and see it. Um, Let's see. We have a lot of things. Civil Rights Act, 1875. Ulysses S. Grant signs a law into Civil Rights Act of 1875. It decreed equal rights and enjoyment of places of public amusement without distinction of color. That's amazing that he did that in 1875. Hmm. I wonder if some of those people are trying to rip down his statue realize he did that. Nebraska, happy birthday. Nebraska becomes the 37th state on this day in 1867. And the Lone Star State, John Taylor, signs a resolution annexing Texas. Texas was admitted to the Union September 28th of that same year. Ohio, happy birthday, Ohio. In 1803, Ohio became the 17th state. Ohio is It's an Iroquois name for Fine River. And on this day, the sad day, the state of Franklin ceases to exist. I know you guys are lamenting this. The state of Franklin, after Benjamin Franklin had been created in 1874 when East Tennessee declared itself an independent state. I lived in Knoxville for a while, so uh, it's interesting this is in that state. Uh, However, the Congress denied its legitimacy. So for four years, it was declared itself its own state, the state of Franklin. But then, lady, the Congress said, nah, no, we revoke that. You guys have to be Tennessee. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. And then we have all these, the Georgian calendar adopted by Sweden, Norway, and Germany. Uh, different years. It was Sweden adopted it in 1757. Norway adopted it in, in uh, 50 years earlier, 1700. And Germany even earlier, uh, 1682. So slowly over a period of 100 years, these country by country, they're, they're moving on to the uh, Georgian calendar, which was, um, you know, get a little bit more accurate. But every, in every instance, they were losing like two weeks or something when they make the jump. It had a huge impact on the, on the economy and stuff. That's probably why they didn't do it. Okay. Boy, there was so much on this day. Let's move over to the dad jokes. So first one this morning, a classic one. What kind of birds stick together? Velcros. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Be a little hard to fly. Um, let's see. Let's get over here to this one, to my bad dad jokes. What's the best way to solve money problems? Answer? Oh, we already read that one. I can't. That one was just weird. Wrap yourself in and lay in the blanket of the porch of a millionaire family. Uh, okay. Um, I don't think that'd work. Okay. Paul, I have bad news and I have good news. Which do you want to hear first? Well, Michael says the good news. Paul. The good news is that I have no bad news. Okay, well, that was bad, bad, bad news. Uh, whenever I'm sad, I just read my blood donor ID. It always says, be positive. 
And I've always said that too. If you got positive blood, that's a good thing. All right, we can move into the reading today into Leviticus 13. So let's open up our Bibles and pray. Thank you, Father, for this morning. And we do look to you to guide us in these things and to keep us, God, firmly in your grip as we move through this day and the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Leviticus 13. Again, those of you that are new, a lot of details in Leviticus, a lot of things that don't apply to us. These are Jewish, these are Hebrew regulations to help them learn how to uh, walk with God. But the concept here is is cleanliness, being clean on the inside and the outside, and how sin cannot come into, into the presence of a holy God. And so we all need to learn this, and we all need to understand the privilege we have uh, of being able to do that because of the high price, the extreme price that Jesus paid on the cross. So keep that in mind. If, if nothing else, as you go through this, and you're just kind of spinning your, your eyes going, what is this all about? It's all a demonstration of the vast, vast chasm between a holy God and an unholy and sinful people. All right, test for leprosy. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, when a man has on his skin or his body a swelling or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes an infection of leprosy on the skin of his body. Then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, one of his sons the priests. The priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body. If the hair in the infection has turned white and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of the body, it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body, and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and the hair on it has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate him who has the infection for seven days. The priest shall look at him on the seventh day, and if in his eyes the infection has not changed, and the infection has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him for seven more days. The priest shall look at him again on the seventh day, and if the infection has faded and the mark has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spreads further on the skin after he has showed himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again to the priest. The priest shall look, and if the scab has spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. When the infection of leprosy is on a man, then he shall be brought to the priest. The priest shall then look, and if there is a white swelling in the skin, and it has turned the hair white, and there is a quick raw flesh in the swelling, it is chronic leprosy on the skin of the body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. If the leprosy breaks out further on the skin, and the leprosy covers all the skin of him who has the infection of his uh, from his head even to his feet, as far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and behold, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce clean him who has the infection. It has all turned white, and he is clean. But whenever raw flesh appears on him, he is unclean. The priest shall look at the raw flesh, and he shall pronounce him unclean. The raw flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh turns again 
and is changed to white, then he shall come to the priest. And the priest shall look at him, and behold, if the infection has turned to white, then the priest shall pronounce clean him who has the infection. He is clean. When the body has a boil on the skin and it is healed, and in the place of the boil there is white swelling or a reddish white bright spot, then it shall be known to the priest. And the priest shall look and behold, if it appears to be lower than the skin and the hair on it has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection of leprosy. It has broken out in the boil. But if the priest looks at it and behold, there are no white hairs in it. It is not lower than the skin and is faded. Then the priest shall isolate him for seven days. And if it spreads further on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection. But if the bright spot remains in the place and does not spread, it is only the scar of the boil and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Or if the body sustains in the skin a burn by fire, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish white or white, then the priest shall look at it. And if the hair in the bright spot is turned white and it appears to be deeper than the skin, it is leprosy. It has broken out in the burn. Therefore, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection of leprosy. But if the priest looks at it, and indeed there's no white hair in the bright spot, and it is no deeper than the skin, but is dim, then the priest shall isolate him for seven days. And the priest shall look at him on the seventh day. If it spreads further in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection of leprosy. But if the bright spot remains in its place and has not spread in the skin, but is dim, it is the swelling from the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is only the scar of the burn. Now, if a man or a woman has an infection on the head or the beard, hopefully not a woman, then the priest shall look at the infection. And if it appears to be deeper than the skin, and there is a thin yellow hair in it, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a scale that is leprosy on the head of the beard. But if the priest looks at the infection of the scale, and indeed it appears to be no deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate that person with the scaly infection for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall look at the infection, and if the scale has not spread and no yellowish hair has grown out of it, and the appearance of the scale is no deeper than the skin, then he shall shave himself, but he shall not shave his scale. And the priest shall isolate the person with the scale seven more days. Then on the seventh day, the priest shall look at the scale, and if the scale has not spread in the skin, and it appears to be no deeper than the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean. He is to wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scale spreads farther in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall look at him. And after the scale has spread in the skin, the priest need not seek for yellowish hair. He is unclean. If in his sight the scale has remained, however, the black hair has grown in it, the scale has healed, he is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. When a man or a woman has bright spots on the skin, of the body, even white 
bright spots, then the priest shall look. And if the bright spots on the skin of the bodies are a faint white, it is eczema and has broken out on the skin, he is clean. Now, if a man loses his, the hair on his head, he is bald, he is clean. If his head becomes bald at the front and sides, he is bald on the, on the forehead, he is clean. But if, he is, but if on the bald head or the bald forehead, there occurs a reddish-white infection, it is leprosy breaking out on his bald head or on his bald forehead. Then the priest shall look at him, and if the swelling of the infection is reddish-white on his bald head or his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprosy in the skin of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His infection is on his head. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothing shall be torn and his hair of his head shall be uncovered. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. When a garment has a mark of leprosy, in it, whether it is a wool garment or a linen garment, whether in warp or woof or linen or wool, whether in leather or in any article made of leather, if the mark is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather or in the warp or in the woof or any article of leather, it is a leprous mark and shall be shown to the priest. Then the priest shall look at the mark and shall quarantine the article with the mark for seven days. He shall then look at the mark for on the seventh day, and if the mark has spread in the garment, whether in warp or in woof or in the leather, whatever the purpose of which the leather is used, the mark is a leprous malignancy, it is unclean. So he shall burn the garment, whether the warp or the woof, the wool or the linen, or the, any article of leather in which the mark occurs, for it is a leprous malignancy. It shall be burned in the fire. But if the priest shall look, and indeed the mark has not spread in the garment, either in the warp or the woof or in the article of leather, then the priest shall order them to wash the thing in which the mark occurs, and he shall quarantine it for seven more days after the article with the mark has been washed. The priest shall again look, and if the mark has not changed its appearance, even though the mark is not spread, it is unclean, you shall burn it in the fire, whether an eating away has produced barrenness on the top or on the front of it. Then if the priest looks, and if the mark has faded after it has been washed, then he shall tear it out of the garment, out of the leather, whether from the warp or from the woof. And if it appears again in the garment, whether in the warp or the woof, or any article of leather, it is an outbreak, the article with the mark shall be burned in the fire. 58, the garment whether the warp or the wolf or any article of leather from which the mark has departed, when you washed it, it shall be washed a second time and will be clean. This is the law of the mark of leprosy in the garment of wool or linen, whether in the warp or the wolf or in any article of leather for pronouncing it clean or unclean. Well, <laughs> by those standards, I've had a lot of leprosy on my leather, whatever left in the closet here, you know, you have... Um, old backpacks that have leather straps or uh, this or that that gets stuck in a closet somewhere. And you kind of, down here in the subtropics, when you leave leather alone for a long time in a isolated in a dark closet somewhere, you come back and it's kind of leprous. So 
leprosy here in this sense can apply more to the leprosy we think about. It can apply to mold, certainly for the articles of clothing. So leprosy can be a little bit more generally uh, thought of here, not as strict as we tend to think of leprosy, infections that are breaking out on the skin. Um, going off old memory here, but I, I'm trying to remember what the, oh, I don't remember what the word is used in Hebrew, but my memory is it has a much broader application. But obviously, it is referring to the Hansen's disease, which we know of today. We call it Hansen's disease for leprosy. When I was first saved, Compassion International supported kids in, in different places. And there was, a, I don't remember if it was Compassion or another ministry that I supported someone with leprosy because uh, you could, it was incredible for like 10 bucks a month or something, you could supply some person in a poor country with leprosy with medicine that would cancel out the effects of leprosy for the rest of their life. Once a person has Hansen's disease, they have to stay on medication for their entire life. But as long as they get on it, right when they're diagnosed, then they'll live a normal life. They won't manifest the signs of leprosy and start losing their senses and losing fingers and all that kind of stuff you see with leprous people. They have a wonderful medication that they take, and at least as far as I know, it's still the same. I don't know if there's ever been a cure. And that's the interesting thing about leprosy, was that it was an incurable disease back then, and yet there were provisions in the law and everything they're given in Leviticus for a person who is cleansed of it. This is why it was so amazing that Jesus healed the lepers, and um, there was a provision to go be present themselves to the priest to be made clean and proclaimed clean. And we know all over the place, leprosy is is a idiom for for sin, the contamination of sin and the effects of sin that what has on your body, because once sin takes a hold of your life, and let's just say a lifestyle. Um, where, hey, I'm just going for it. I'm going to party. I don't care. I'm just going to indulge the flesh. I'm not going to follow after God or try and and let God take a hold of my life. Well, then those effects of of sin in your life starts numbing your senses, which is what Hansel's disease does. You start losing sensations. You don't have feelings in your fingers or anything. And most of the damage to the body of people with leprosy is because they can't sense the pain. They can't sense when their fingers are being burned or something. If you if you cut them with a knife, they don't feel it. And so people injure themselves, and they don't even know it. And it's easy for infection to set in. And and so they, they tend to get all kinds of problems there. So this is the effect of sin on us oftentimes. It's, it's slowly numbing the senses, and it starts causing a lot of damage. We're not even aware of the damage that is causing to us because we're numb to the things going on in it. And we need to be cleansed. We are unclean and we need to be washed by the blood and gain new life in the body. God, Jesus brings in new life into our cells. We become a new creation. And the old things have passed away and that, that, that spread of leprosy and infection in our body is then dealt with and reversed and new life comes. So there's wonderful, strong typology there. Um, but obviously a real situation going on in Israel that they needed to deal with. And of course, it also there's this whole thing of separation. You cannot allow sin in the camp. They could not allow leprosy to come into the camp to contaminate everybody. So... When there's a, you know, a sinner in your church, throw them out. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, when someone is in your church and is a wolf, 
whose intent is to come in and contaminate people. Now that's when you need to start isolating. And that's when you need to start saying, okay, you, mm, you know, the leadership needs to come to that person. And that's why you confront people and help them to come cleansed. That's why it's important. Just, you just don't allow people living in sin to come into the church and continue in it. You deal with it because it can have its contaminating effect. So let's move on to Mark now. Mark 7, they were jumping into verse 14. The heart of man. After he called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he had left the crowd, he entered the house. His disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all food clean. And he was saying, That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. And from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, murders, and adulteries. Deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Verse 24, Jesus got up and went away from there to a region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know it. Yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. He said to her, Because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left. Again, he went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, within the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty. And they implored him to lay his hand on him. And Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself and put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. And he and looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. And the impediment of his tongue was removed. And he began speaking plainly. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone. But the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. They were utterly astonished, saying, He has done all things well, and he makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. So much going on here with the healing of Jesus and what was going on uh, with the parable. It's amazing that this mute and deaf person he could touch and open their ears and their mouth and immediately the person could speak. Anybody that's been around deaf people that can then speak um they normally cannot speak. They can make sounds because they've never learned now. Maybe this person lost their, their hearing later, but they could speak plainly. That is a miracle. 
I was privileged to be in the room once in Guadalajara when a little girl got her hearing aids and for the, heard sound for the first time, really heard sound for the first time in her life. She was not completely deaf, but she was young, and she could only hear super, super loud, like a thunder. She could hear a little rumble or something, but she could not hear conversation. She could not hear ambient noise or anything around her, and uh, the, the audiologist fitted her for these hearing aids and then put them in their ears and said, and they warned her. They, I remember them telling her, are you ready? This is going to, this is going to be a, a new experience. And they, she said, yeah, they turned them on and she just about jumped to the roof because cars were driving by outside things. We were tuned out. We had tuned out and she immediately jumped in her mom's arms or something. She was very, very scared. And it took a while to find out that it was the noise of the traffic driving by that she never heard that was, that scared her so much. And, uh, but her eyes seemed to hear, hear for the first time was amazing. It was an amazing experience to see that. And, uh, I, I will always treasure that. So imagine this, someone who cannot hear or speak and they couldn't hear probably at all. And they're an adult. And so they have this incredible, incredible blessing. Yeah. And then you have this interesting thing about the Syrophoenician woman. Sounds like Jesus being really cruel here. Well, when you run into these kind of things, what you have to do is fall back on, on what you know, <laughs> that you know to be true, that Jesus came into the world to die for sinners and that he was willing to lay down his, his, his own life and suffer the worst death anybody could ever suffer for all humanity, for all mankind, not just for the Jews. And he's just been talking about the problem of leprosy within man. You see, the leprosy we carry is in, in our heart. That's where it manifests. And that's where it comes out in the envy and strife and jealousy and all these different things. So interesting, he, he does away with the need for kosher laws right there when he said that. It's not what goes into a man physically that goes into his stomach. No, it's what goes into his heart. And uh, therefore, he proclaimed all food is clean. He did away with the kosher law there. We no longer need it. The Jews don't need it. Jesus did away with it, just like he did away with the priesthood of the Jews for the temple and sacrifice and all of that. But he's dealing with the, the heart issues of man. And one of the big issues is pride. And this was a really interesting way that Jesus is bringing, coming to this woman and and he wants to know her heart. Is she really believing in faith? I mean, this this is my supposition. So this is me, not the Bible, but he's basically wants to know is this woman real? Is she really concerned about her daughter? I, I, you know, he said it's obviously it's either a test for her or it's really a demonstration. He wants the disciples and wants everybody else to hear from a Gentile's mouth that they have faith in the Messiah. This was huge. I mean, huge for a Gentile pagan to believe that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah when the other Jews didn't, and even the apostles weren't sure yet that he had all power to heal, cast out demons. Only divinity could do that. So she goes to him and, and he says, oh, yeah, well, uh, can you heal my daughter if she's got demons? Well, you know, I gotta, you know I'm, I'm a Jewish Messiah. I got to go to the Jews first. Deal with them. Oh, uh, yeah, but, you know, I don't deal with the, the dogs was a term for Gentiles. That's how they're viewed. So she goes, okay. I'm a dog, but the dogs get to eat up the little scraps from the children's table, don't they? Can't we have a little benefit, a little benefit from what you're bringing to the table, <laughs> spiritually, literally? And he says, yeah, 
go away, your daughter's healed. See, she was completely humble and, and completely believing that he had the power to heal, whereas many Jews were not. So the comment about the, the dogs and all that kind of stuff, I've heard other, Gail Irwin was famous for a, a great, one of Calvary Chapel's greatest, uh, I think, pastors. He always said, don't you think he had a little twinkle in his eye, a little smile on his lip when he was saying this to this woman? Because when you looked into the eyes of Jesus, you did not see a person that was cruel. You didn't see a person who was very slanderous. You saw him, the shepherd, the good shepherd. And so I think she understood there was something in transitioning in between them, something happening very special. And I don't think she was offended. I think she understood that there was this cultural thing going on. They were considered as dogs, and she understood how the cultural perceived them. None of that was important to her. What was important to her was reaching out to the Messiah as divine, as God himself, and asking him to cast out the demon out of her daughter whom she loved. A great act of faith and a wonderful, wonderful example to us. All right, we'll go on to now Charles Spurgeon. Joy for the cast out. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his guard. Your brethren has hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake. Yes, let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. Isaiah 66. Possibly this text may not apply to one in a thousand of the readers of this little book of promises, but the Lord cheers that one such word as these. Let us pray for all such as are cast out wrongfully, born the society which they love. May the Lord appear to their joy. The text applies to truly gracious men who tremble. These were hated of their brethren and at length cast out because of their fidelity and their holiness. This must have been very bitter to them and all the more so because their casting out was done in the name of religion and professedly with the view of glorifying God. How much is done for the devil in the name of God? The use of the name of Jehovah to add venom to the bite of the old serpent is an instance of subtlety. The appearing of the Lord for them is the hope of his persecuted people. He appears as the advocate and the defender of the elect, and when he does so, it means a clear deliverance from God-fearing, the shame of their oppressors. O Lord, fulfill this word to those whom men are deriding. That is true. It's still happening today, unfortunately, all over the place. When we did Festival de Vito to bring the love of Christ and and, and, and just reach out and bless the community and, and provide so much, so many things we did. And we had all the churches involved, <laughs> the Catholic Church, the Archbishop put out an edict that and circulated on paper that any Catholic that would attend the Festival of Vida to hear the the gospel of Jesus Christ and his love for the world, anyone that would attend that event would would bypass the purgatory and go directly to hell. <laughs> it was pretty severe. Stamping it with the his authority. Uh very sad. Uh, to pray for that. Pray for the those that are confused with in the hierarchy of Catholic churches, many Catholics that believe in the Lord that are love Jesus. And, and this is our hope, that anyone who listens, no matter in your denomination or a Catholic church or, or wherever, that you know what we're focused on is Jesus Christ, his word, and listening to what he says and obeying what he says, that he came into the world to save sinners, of which <laughs> I am the greatest. And he has given us the ability to respond to him and be saved. 
And by this we rejoice. And so it is by the word of God that we know that life comes. It's not what you take in, it's what comes out of you. And we need to take in the word of God every day and continue to be built up, feed on his manna, and then be strengthened in it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the for the blessing we have to come together and spend this time before you. And we do acknowledge, God, that there is nothing good that is within us, that we are full of jealousy, strife, envy, deceit, all of these things. But God, when you come inside, you become Lord over all that, and we surrender that to you. We still have to crucify it every day, but we thank you, God, that we start imaging you, that you start giving us power to walk in holiness and walk in purity and not in the deeds of the flesh. So we thank you and we praise you for that and as you continue to do that work in us as we desire to be your ambassadors and to let people see you in us. So thank you for that. Thank you for the word today. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for giving us the insight that there is things that defile us, things that make us unclean. But thank you, God, also that you have care and concern for us. You didn't want your people to be sick or be perishing. You supernaturally gave them the means by which they could maintain health physically, but also spiritually. And so we know you care. We know that you're there. We ask you to continue to do that in the church. Keep the church healthy physically, but also spiritually. Keep us, God, clean before you. It's such an important thing. But we want to lift up those who are uh, sick and those that need your touch, both spiritually and physically. I ask you to bless the um, Kesterlines in their journey through in healing and all of their bodies and their, their family, that you'll be touching and, and touching them and healing them. Thank you for the work you have done. Thank you for Abigail coming back with a good smile and, and what she how she's growing. So thank you for that. Uh, we do, God, thank you for the different things you're doing in Juan Carlos's life in Mexico City. We hear he's waiting to re- get the results for some tests to see if he is, um, the cancer is in remission now or gone. So praying that we get a good report from the reports of the doctor. I want to pray for LaDonna who broke her toe, I hear. Uh, on recovering, I know what that feels like. I've done that. God, help her to recover quickly. That gets healed, no infection. And as well, we've seen other people that have had infections on their feet. Pam Shoemaker had got an infection on her foot. We pray, God, that that got healed up and everything is okay with her. Um, And anyone who's had to deal with those nasty infections, we can get down here that can linger for a long time. Pray that you heal our bodies, God. Touch and heal our bodies. Kevin and his lungs, God, we pray for complete healing in those lungs. We need a a miracle, God, and give him some kind of confirmation that it's in the healing process. And we, God, look to you for supernatural working beyond the doctor's in his lungs and in his life as you have been doing. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Thank you for all those that have been serving in the church and now the 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 new servers we have and the, the just amazing things you're doing, the new people that have been coming. We know, God, we're going into March and we're going to have less people in the first service, but we have more people in the second. So we're encouraged to see those that are growing and serving. And those that want to be baptized, it's very exciting. So continue to touch, continue to heal. We thank you, Father, and we praise you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.